Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast, where we talk about how to experience gospel freedom. Romans 6-7 says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. On today's broadcast, Mike Cleveland, founder of Setting Captives Free, shares how you can experience the freedom purchased for us by Jesus Christ at the cross. Okay, hello and greetings. This is Mike Cleveland here with my wife, Jody. Jody, thank you for joining me again. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. We love doing these podcasts, don't we? We really do. It's just such a, it's like having a wonderful conversation that we get to share with everybody. <laughs> right? It's like you and I sitting here in our living room, but there's a people listening and wanting to hear, and we have good news for them tonight. We do. We have very today. good news. Yes. So we are looking today at two verses, Colossians 1, 13 and 14, and what we want to do is discuss the subject of forgiveness, and we want to talk about it from the perspective of the Old Covenant and then the New Covenant and contrast the two. So, Jody, if you'd like to read uh, these verses for us, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the first thing we see, it talks about a rescue. He has rescued us from the dominion or kingdom of darkness. And, you know, there's some illustrations of that when Abraham's nephew Lot was taken captive by five kings. Abraham went under cover of darkness and rescued Lot and uh, brought him back. That's one example. This is what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to rescue us. We need to view Christianity as a rescue, a rescue mission. And so this is what verse 13 tells us. Another example might be when uh, David's family was carried off by the Philistines and David, you know, saddled up and went and rescued them. And it says that he recovered every single one. Nobody was missing. He rescued all. Yeah. And this is the rescue. When Jesus went to the cross, uh, he was a first responder, if you will. He came to to rescue dying people. He was the only worthy responder for sure. Right. And he rescued us. We could not help ourselves. Right. We were drowning, or I would say, uh, better said, dead, dead mm. in our sins and trespasses. There was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. And Jesus said, I will do it. Right. I will do it. And this was the plan before we were ever created. That's exactly right. So he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. You know, when somebody, a firefighter, goes to a burning building and they rescue somebody out of it, they don't deposit them on the doorstep of the burning building, (laughs) right? They take them away. Jesus brought us into, the Father brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, took us away from the devil's kingdom, far away, (laughs) a different kingdom away, Mm -hmm. and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Right. And then it says these words, in whom... In Christ, right. we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's the best news. What's redemption? To be bought back. Yeah, right? You re- redeem something, you buy it back. 
right? So he went and hung on a cross and poured out his blood and breathed his last breath for the purpose of redeeming us. Yeah, he paid the debt. Buying us back. And that's what forgiveness means. It means the forgiveness of a debt, the canceling of a debt. And so Jesus paid the debt for us so that we do not have to pay. And if there were any doubt about that, at at the end, uh, on the cross, Jesus declared with a loud voice, with a very loud cry, it is finished, which means... It means paid in full. Paid in full. They put it on tax receipts, right, back in that day? Right. In the first century A.D., there were many tax receipts that found those very words stamped on them. Yeah. It is finished. Your debt is paid in full. Uh This ought to be good news for somebody today. (laughs) It is good news. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) When you understand that you had an unpayable debt, a mountain of debt that you couldn't even make a dent into. Right. And Jesus came and through his life's blood... Shed on the cross, paid this debt for you, and God does not demand payment twice. He doesn't. Both at the hand of his son and at your hands. Right. It's paid in full. It's wonderful news, isn't it? It really is. But you know, we look back on forgiveness already purchased for us uh, before the cross. Forgiveness was something desired by Old Testament saints. Mm. Um, And they had it portrayed for them in picture form. When they would sin, they would have to take a a lamb or an animal, uh, bulls and goats yearly, and and sacrifice them as reminders of sin. Right. I mean, they had a daily, it was nonstop. Those, Those priests worked all the time. They could not stop. Um, and the, the offerings kept coming and coming because there were so many people who were sinning and you needed to bring guilt offerings and fellowship offerings and sin offerings. And there were so many offerings. And they had a mercy seat in the tabernacle, but nobody was allowed to sit in it. Yeah, The reason is the work was never done. Right. They year after year and day after day, year after year with the Day of Atonement. Right. Um, but daily with the daily sacrifice, right. all these sacrifices of animals, kept reminding them of their sin that it was never paid in full. Right. It was always, I want forgiveness. I'm going to go bring my offering, and then I will be forgiven. My sins will be transferred to this sacrifice. The animal will pay the debt. He will die in my place, right? And then that's how forgiveness was obtained back then under the old covenant. It was just this constant, continual reminder of sin, consciousness of sin. But it really wasn't paid. The debt really wasn't paid. It was just covered over. Right? It was just covered over. Yeah, temporarily. And they looked forward to a day when the Messiah would come. Ah, yes. In Isaiah chapter um, 40. It talks about the coming of the Messiah and the payment of sins Mm. uh, together. And they looked forward and they prayed for the coming of the Messiah as they would sit around the Passover and have the Passover meals. One of the prayers would be for the coming Messiah. Mm -hmm. And and they wanted forgiveness of sins. You can read about it in uh, Psalm chapter um, 
57 is that where David is praying for forgiveness of sins because he had committed adultery and murder? Psalm 32. Um, 34? No, I think we're going to argue online <laughs> here. I think we're going <laughs> to. No, we're not arguing. I think it's Psalm 50, 52. 52 or 51. 52, no. Psalm 51. 51. There we yes, go. We found it. Hey, we're, we've made up. <laughs> Um, but the, As if. the point is, he's praying for forgiveness and to be cleansed of his sins. Yes. He's wanting to be washed. He's wanting the debt to be paid. And all Old Testament saints knew of the coming Messiah and that he would bring somehow bring forgiveness right. of their sins. Yeah. But it was never forgiven. It was always just covered over. Right. And they had the year of Jubilee every 50 years. So that was something else that pointed forward to Jesus, right? Um, that that they knew every 50 years, boy, it's a long time to wait, um, right? It's a lifetime, right? Um, but they would they would wait these 50 years and then their debts would all be forgiven and property would be go back to the original owners and all these kinds of wonderful things would happen in the year of Jubilee. And of course, um, like I said, that pointed forward to Jesus. So they had all these things that pointed forward to this wonderful permanent forgiveness, but it wasn't it wasn't realized for them. Right. The year of Jubilee helped to define what forgiveness was. Yeah. It was the canceling of their debt. Yes. Um, and this is illustrated again in Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, telling about a an unmerciful servant who, when he realized he had a debt he couldn't pay and begged for mercy, his master forgave the debt. That's what the definition of forgiveness is, is the canceling of a debt. Um, And yet he didn't either believe that he was forgiven or he was greedy. I don't know which it is, but he wouldn't forgive the debt of people who owed him money. Uh, And so he would not forgive them. It's always debt forgiveness. Those two need to be connected. So in the old covenant, they only looked forward to it. The blood of bulls and goats continually had to be shed year after year, day after day. And and there was no, they must have asked themselves, why do I have to do this again? More animals have to die? And, and what if I have failed to confess a certain sin? What happens? I the blood of bulls and goats, you know, just simply pointed forward to um, the once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Right. Where he came and the Messiah came and took our sin upon himself. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. In the epistles, it always talks about our forgiveness in past tense form. Right. One of them is in Colossians 1 that we read earlier, that you read. Verse 14, it says, In whom, Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We aren't praying for either one of these things. An unbeliever would. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they they would. They would say, um, I... To come to faith in Christ, you you must say, "I I am a sinner. I need a savior." Right, yeah. and then you accept 
Christ as your Savior, you say, yes, I believe that Jesus was perfect and he lived the perfect life that I should have lived. And he died as the perfect sacrifice to atone for my sins. And I'm putting my faith in him. He's my only hope. I have no righteousness of my own. I, but, but I can go in the righteousness of Christ and be accepted. And that's what it means to put our faith in Jesus. And then from that point on, our sins are forgiven. Yeah, you just, just wiped clean. Exactly. And you reminded me of that story of Jacob and Esau where the younger brother Jacob went in the clothing of his older brother to the father. And uh, he came in dressed as Esau and therefore received the blessing. Now he did it deceitfully. We come to our Father not deceitfully, uh, and yet we come dressed in the clothing of our older brother. Mm -hmm. That is, the righteousness of Christ is ours, and we are receiving the blessing of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, because we come in Christ. And, you know, an unbeliever needs to say, please forgive me. I confess my sins. I'm no longer denying that I have any sins. I'm confessing them. I'm, I'm no longer pretending that I don't need forgiveness. I'm now acknowledging that I must be forgiven. And so he comes to God and says, I confess my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. A believer, on the other hand, still sins. They do. But the thing to remember about that is that when Jesus died on the cross and paid it all in full, None of us were even born, right? Right. Okay, so none of us had ever committed even one sin. Right. Right? But Jesus said, paid in full. He said, it is finished. So he he is outside of time absorbing all the sin from the past and the future and bringing it together in one moment and saying, I've gathered all the debt. I've gathered all the sin debt and I'm paying it right now. Right. Right. So even though, even though our experience of our sin is ongoing, right? We stumble and fall in many ways, right? And we continue to sin. Christ's experience of it is complete. It is finished. Right. right. Yeah. So yes, we still sin, but it's already forgiven. Right. And so we're not asking for forgiveness. We're thanking God for the forgiveness that we have. We still confess our sins. Confess means simply to agree with God. Mm -hmm. God said that thing I did, that thought I had, that thing I didn't do that I should have, that's all sin. I agree with God. That's sin. And I thank him that he paid the price for me. I still come to the cross just like I did the first time. Right. And I come to the cross and I see that my sin was taken off of me. Yes. And and you look at the cross and you see all of your sin gone, even the sin you're going to do tomorrow. Yeah. That was taken off of you and charged to the account of Christ. And when we commit that sin, we still come to the cross and we we come to the cross, Jody, and we look up and we see this horrendous sight of the one who loves us paying for our sin. And we say, thank you. We acknowledge we did wrong. 
we thank you for paying this price right. and it cuts our hearts we're washed at the cross but we're also crushed at the cross mm -hmm. and our hearts are hurt and and this is what begins to change us over time where we do indeed begin to sin less mm -hmm. because our hearts are crushed when we come to the cross we're wounded why we see him wounded it's like i slapped my my best friend in the face only a thousand times worse and i just want to shout i'm so sorry i'm so sorry right. and we confess our sins and and yet at the same time not only are we crushed we're healed i know right that because is the we wonder see of that, it all isn't it yeah yeah and we see that he died to forgive yes that he paid off our sin debt that he removed it from us as far as the east is from the west yes. he threw it behind his back he drowned it in the ocean he put it in the red sea of christ's blood drowned it like those egyptians mm. and, and this is just something that we can't get enough of it makes our hearts to feel the love of jesus doesn't it it really does and it is it is crucial i think just so foundational to truly understand that we are forgiven forgiven ongoingly there's no begging there's no hoping there's no crying out enough like maybe if i if i'm really really sad maybe if i tear my clothes maybe if i put ashes on my head maybe if i you know then, then maybe god will forgive me there's none of that mm -hmm. there's just a a beautiful understanding that christ paid it all and this, this is so amazing and, and mind-boggling and hard to communicate because mm -hmm. it is so expansive mm -hmm. and yet so simple. Right. It's so simple. He paid the debt. Right. It's done. You know, and when we, when we act like we have not been forgiven, when we act like we need to do something to make God happy with us, when we act like um, we still owe God something or we need to behave in a certain way or God's not going to accept us, when we behave that way, we are acting like the unmerciful servant. Because what will happen when we, in our mind, are when we're oriented toward God in a way that says, oh, I still need to do something. God's not happy with me. God's upset with me because I sinned. We're going to treat other people meanly. We're, we're going gonna, to be upset with them because they sinned against us because that's how we believe God is treating us. Yes, yes. And this is why it is crucial for us to comprehend our forgiveness, mm -hmm. to really believe it and embrace it. Right, exactly right. Well, we said that under the New Covenant and in the epistles, there's no place that teaches us to ask for forgiveness, to ask for something we already have. Right. And yet people will bring up 1 John chapter 1, uh, verses 7 and 7 through 9, basically. And in there, in verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will 
forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so what are your thoughts about that, Jody? Looks to me like we got to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness. Right, right. You know, the thing about this is context. It is very, very important that we do not rip verses out. It happens all the time. You see them tacked on t-shirts and mugs and and calendars and things like that. And so there's this tendency that we have just to um, pull a verse out and just quote it willy-nilly. And that there's a danger in that because when you do it, you miss the context, right? And so the context of 1 John, if you read just one verse before that, um, and the verse after it even really helps to clarify, but if we read one verse before that, which says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So John is talking to these people who believed that sin wasn't real, that Jesus wasn't real, a real person, right? That is, this was all like theoretical. It was all um, spiritual talk, you know, it wasn't real. There is no sin. I have no sin. And there was this sort of movement, agnostic type movement, where um, uh, it was invading uh, the church and confusing people. Wait, well, I thought I had sin. I thought that's what Jesus died to pay for. Wait, what? I don't have sin? This is so confusing. And so John is addressing this situation in 1 John. And he says, if you claim to be without sin, you are deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus isn't in you if you claim to be without sin. So if Jesus isn't in you, you're an unbeliever. You are an unbeliever. And you're, you're a sin denier. Yes. And you're saying that I don't have sin. In fact, it doesn't even exist. There is no such thing as sin. And Jesus is a spirit. He didn't actually come in the flesh. And so here's these people who John is saying, if we do this, we're deceiving ourselves. And the truth, Jesus is the truth, as you said, is not in us. So what do we need to do then if we are claiming to be without sin? What do we need to do to so rectify we need to, that? To repent, right? We reverse, right? Instead right. of claiming to be without sin, we confess yes. our sin. Yes. And when we agree with God that we're sinners, we need a Savior. Guess what He does? He forgives us our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. He does. So these are unbelievers. These are people who are sin deniers. They claim that, that there is no sin. And he's saying if you do that, the truth is not in you. You need to confess your sin. And verse 10 proves that that's exactly what he was talking about because he repeats himself. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be God, out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. Jesus is the word, right? Um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That was Jesus. And um, so if this is clearly what this is about. He's addressing unbelievers here. Right, because believers have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Yes. So here's a way to look at this. Since redemption and the forgiveness of sins are a package deal, they go together. If we were to go to God and say, oh, would you please forgive me? We might as well say, would you please redeem me? I'm sold into sin and I need to be bought 
back. Would you maybe, I don't know, send your son down to pay the price to please redeem me from sin? He already did it. He did it. It's already done. The other thing is, remember we talked earlier about the definition of sin, which means the canceling of a debt. Or or the the definition of forgiveness? I'm sorry, the definition of forgiveness Uh is the canceling of a debt. Right. And, And so if we were to go to God and say these words, would you please forgive me? What we're really saying is, would you please cancel this debt? And God would say, what debt? Right. If you're a believer, God would say, what debt? He buried your sin. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. That's right. There is no, there is no sin. The difference, though, is our experience. Yes, our experience. And this is where people get confused. And so our experience when we sin today is identical to when we were an unbeliever. That's and we true. came to the cross and we looked up and saw the suffering Savior. And we, at that point, asked, please, I need forgiveness. I don't have it. I don't deny my sin anymore. I confess my sin. Right. And I look up to the cross and I see that he's paying for me and I gladly receive Mm -hmm. the forgiveness. Now, as a believer, I still come to the cross. Right. I'm still back there looking up at the suffering Savior, shedding his blood, dying on my behalf with my sin crushing him. My guilt around his neck, squeezing the life out of him, Mm. draining the blood out of him. It's my sin and my guilt. It's your sin and your guilt Mm. that is crucifying your Savior. And you know that you're a believer in Christ. So he has paid your debt in full. It is finished. No more blood of bulls and goats. We don't, you know, blood of bulls and goats stands for... You know, coming to ask God for forgiveness again and again. Again and again. Because the blood of bulls and goats never really canceled the debt. They just covered the debt. Right. Now Christ came and canceled the debt because he paid the debt. And so we are forgiven. Thank you. And we thank God for our forgiveness of sin. I do. What, What if you don't know that you're forgiven? What... What if you wonder, what if you question, am I really forgiven? How would somebody know? How do you know, Jody, that you're forgiven? Well, I mean, I put faith in Jesus and that because I've put faith in Jesus, I know I'm forgiven. Now, I may not always feel, right? I, my experience, if I sin, I feel um, distant from God. I feel sad. I feel discouraged and depressed even and frustrated and anxious and all these, all the sin come flooding in, right? Mm -hmm. When you sin in one area, then every, every cousin of that sin comes in. Um, but, uh, but when I come to the cross and I see Jesus, I remember Jesus died for me. I see that he bore my sins and he paid my debt. And I thank him for doing that. The Holy Spirit comes to me and he encourages my heart and he comforts me. And he says, you are forgiven. And I want you to live in that. I want you to live in the love 
that is being poured out from you be healed. Your faith in me has healed you, right? That's what Jesus said to the woman who reached out and touched him. She she just thought, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And Jesus healed her. And, and this has happened to us and it happens to us as we come to the cross and wash there. We experience it again. We experience it anew. And as we do, assurance comes. Yeah. The dying thief uh, rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. The, the fountain is open. The blood of Jesus does not coagulate. It continually flows in the sense of continually uh, washing us clean, continually um, renewing us, continually making us whole. Right. Um, you just have to come and see. You know, the woman in Samaria, the woman at the well, when she had that experience with Jesus, she went out with a message. Come and see a man. Yeah. That's yeah. all she said. Come and see a man. He told okay. me everything I ever did. Right. You know, could this be the Messiah? Come and see a man. Mm -hmm. Well, this is our invitation to our audience right now. Yes. Come and see the man hanging on a cross. Yes. Come and see him dying in your place. Yeah. Come and see the love in his eyes, the blood flowing from him that forgives your every sin. Yes. Come and see a man who loved you and gave himself for you. Come and see a man risen from the dead. Come and see a man declaring in, in mighty power and strength that you are forgiven. You are justified. Right. You are cleansed. You're made whole. You're made new. Come and see this man, this God-man who came to earth for the purpose of redeeming you, yes. paying your sin debt, forgiving you, and making you clean. This is our invitation. If you haven't come, come. If you're a believer you're struggling with guilt, you're struggling with the power of sin, come to the cross and it'll be broken. It'll break sin's back. It'll just break it in two. It's true. Because at the cross, sin cannot live. Right? Sin dies at the cross. Amen. Amen. Jody, and would the you... Holy, the ahead. Holy Spirit will meet you at the cross and he will come to you. And as he comes to you and you begin to walk with him, you will be able to war against your flesh and you will find that the chains of of sin will be broken in your life. It's so, so wonderful. Yeah, if you look in Galatians 3, 1 to 5, they were believing false doctrine and they were sinning. And Paul said, you foolish Galatians, I clearly portrayed before you Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he called them to remember the cross. Yes. Remember that Jesus has removed your sin. And also remember where you received the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. at the cross when you believed the good news. Right. And remember the miracles that were done. This is all Galatians 3. I know, right? Remember the cross. Remember where you got the Spirit. Remember the miracles. Mm -hmm. Here's a man who's in bondage to alcohol, and he comes to the cross, and the power of sin is broken yes. in his life. He, in a woman struggling with gluttony, and she comes to the cross, and sin's power is broken. Yes. A couple on the verge of divorce comes to the cross together, and they kneel holding hands. Yes. And they look up, and they receive numerous things, forgiveness of their sins, 
the Holy Spirit, power to live a new life, yes, a hope and a future, mm. and, a, and reconciliation. This is what happens at the cross. Mm. It doesn't stop there, does it? It doesn't. It just goes on and on. It's the, really the most glorious message that there ever has been and ever will be. Let's come back and talk more about this subject again. Okay. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.